Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley Scott of Denver Seminary. What are the challenges we face in today's church and culture in a postmodern, post-Christian era? Dr. Haley believes that in addressing those issues, the church must adopt a missional mindset. Christianity does hold the answers to the big questions of today's culture. Let's join Dr. Haley for today's edition of Christian Curious. It's hard to go more than a few days without hearing about the potential mental health crisis facing people around the globe. Studies indicate that there is a pervasive sense of global anxiety, an underlying sense of anxiety about the world that's surrounding us. A quarter of millennials say that they do not have a single friend. According to a recent study published by Barna, 33% of people feel that they are surrounded by people who deeply care about them, while only 32% feel like someone believes in them. So how can faith communities make a difference in the area of mental health? Welcome to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley, where we're probing some of the most important ministry questions in our time. For the month of November, we're taking a close look at mental health and the local church. Joining us again today are Brandon Applehans and Kimberly Britt Peterson from My Quiet Cave, a nonprofit organization creating space for faith and mental health. Brandon Applehans is the founder and executive director of My Quiet Cave. He holds a BA in speech communications from Colorado State University and an MDiv from Denver Seminary. After living with bipolar for years, he wants all people to experience life in the midst of struggle. He and his family live in Denver, Colorado. Kimberly Britt Peterson is the program director of My Quiet Cave. She has received a BA in TV video production from Emerson College in Boston and a master's in counseling from Colorado Christian University. She loves storytelling, and as a mom with an anxiety disorder, she hopes that sharing her struggles openly will help others find freedom from the pressures of life and parenthood. Kimberly and her husband, Marcus, live in Littleton with their three young daughters. Welcome back, Brandon and Kimberly. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Well, last time you were here, both of you touched on your stories that, that have fueled your work in the area of mental health. And so I would love to hear from each of you, share a little bit more about your own struggles with uh, mental illnesses and trying to strive for mental health and how that impacts and fuels your work today. Sure. Well, I came on board with My Quiet Cave in 2017. And at the time, I was working full-time also. I uh, started working part-time with My Quiet Cave, and I had just had my second daughter. So she was about, I think, about six months old when I started. So throughout that year, just a lot of the pressures and everything started building up. And it was about a year after that that I kind of just, everything came crashing down. And I got a formal diagnosis of generalized anxiety disorder. But really looking back through time, probably the, la the 15 years before that, I saw where I struggled, but I just kind of pushed through or, um, you know, I, I really didn't know what was going on. A lot of my friends kind of called me flaky. Mm -hmm. So I just thought, oh, those are just my little isms and, and things here and there. But it wasn't until motherhood and especially after my second child that, you know, everything just built up because, you know, you have the lack of sleep, you know, the bad eating habits, um, you're just exhausted all the time and overworked. And so that uh, when I really came crashing down and um, my heart kind of went out to other mothers experiencing the same thing. Um, and then you have that on top of all the pressures of motherhood today, mm -hmm. the pressures for all of us in general from society, but especially in, in parenthood or motherhood, you know, to be perfect, to, to look perfect, to be the perfect mom, make sure your kids are, 
um, getting everything that they need. Um, it's just, it's just unbelievable the amount of pressure. And so with that, we partnered with Mops International and we wrote a curriculum similar to our curriculum Overcome. That's a nine week mm -hmm. group for people struggling with mental illness and their supporters. We wrote one specifically for mothers with mental health issues, specifically anxiety, depression, bipolar disorder. Um, and that really did come out of my story and my struggles and, and the struggles that I have now. So I have a, an, an infant now, she's 11 months old. So um, it's, it's, my story is, is still going on. And we wrote that also with Becky Newquist of Bethel Counseling, mm -hmm. um, who had a similar story. I'm right there with you. I mean, I have two daughters and I have generalized anxiety disorder as well, just from different issues in my past, post-traumatic stress and other issues that are far behind me now. But yeah, that remains, that stays with me. And when I had my daughters, I felt tethered to the world in a way I hadn't been before. And the anxiety to prepare a way for them that was easier than the one that I had traveled on was an immense amount of pressure. I can be super hard on myself as far as thinking, okay, I did not take my kids to Chatfield Pumpkin Festival this year because we were getting new floors and I felt like a terrible mom. And so that anxiety of not measuring up, of not being perfect is, is you know, is a very real struggle for a lot of moms. Yeah. And I remember before going to, going to work, I, I stayed home with the kids until they got to kindergarten. And then after, you know, during that time, I mean, it was a big joke where, you know, other moms would, in order to deal with the pressure, they would have vodka in their water bottles or they would have wine book readings at 10 o'clock in the morning and it was t something that was not uncommon for moms to be drinking all day long when they were at home with their kids yeah i hear that all the time you know it's a joke oh wine wednesday wine morning mm -hmm. we're dropping off our kids and that's just what they joke about that's how we're told to cope right in a way oh rather than drink yeah mm -hmm. rather than dealing with our anxiety we're just going to mask it for a little while rather than taking some of the pressure off yeah, yeah. right exactly absolutely any of you moms are out there feeling overwhelmed or overburdened by trying to live up to what expectation you may have of yourself or expectation you feel like society is putting on you, you're not alone. There is a lot of us out there just like you. So your struggle has been with anxiety. And Brandon, you talked a little bit last time about bipolar. And I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. Well, I was diagnosed with bipolar when I was 14, and it's just high, low and my experience between 14 and 16 was just awful. Those are supposed to be some of the best years of your life, right? I mean, those were, those were for me, my sophomore and junior years of high school. Those are supposed to be like where you run track and you try to make state and you do all this stuff. And I never even bought my yearbooks for one of those years because I, I just didn't want to remember it all. I was uh, struggling with suicidal ideation the entire time. I just wanted to die every day. I would I would try to make it to class and then just try to make it through class and then go home. I called in sick more days than I can count. I played drums because at least that didn't hurt. And it was just a constant battle with me and my parents, not between us, but all of us together battling to make it to midnight every single day. Can we keep Brandon alive one day at a time? I turned 16. Shortly after that, we found the right medications. And it was like the skies parted, the angels sang, mm -hmm. there was goodness in the world. But I didn't process any of that grief or any of the underlying issues for years. 
And I came to terms much later that bipolar disorder for me didn't create a lot of my issues. But what it did is it was like looking in a magnifying glass the whole time. Mm -hmm. It just took this one issue and it made it as big as possible and it made it everything I could see. So for those two years, I had processed the entire world through, Brandon, I'm so disappointed in you. And that was consuming. That was everything. Yeah. And all of my faults, those were consuming. Those were everything. And then in my mid-20s, there was this really weird period for me where I was in seminary. I was trying to deal with all of this self-loathing that I was starting to deal with. I was dealing with the fact that I had two years of my life that was just missing, that I was trying to grieve, and I didn't know how to process any of it. But I did know, I had this very strong feeling that this life that God talked about, that he loved them, there was something that I wasn't getting about that. Because it always felt for me like God can love everyone else, but how can he love me? Like, you know, if we're on the Titanic, I'm going to throw people in the lifeboats, but I'm not going to get on one of those. Mm -hmm. And what we started to just ask questions about was, are other people dealing with some of these same questions? Because like bipolar disorder hurts and it's hard and depression hurts and it's hard and anxiety disorders spin your world really fast. But there's other questions that come up that are these existential questions like, well, why am I here? What's going on with me? Who actually is God in the midst of this? Is he actually like me? Does God actually enjoy me? That suddenly became the crux of my entire life for about four years in therapy. And those were really processing the question, what does it mean to be a beloved son of God? Because I was in seminary, I knew every right answer, and I did not believe that for myself at all. Yeah. I did not believe I was good and loved. And and that was really at the center of a lot of my issues was this idea of, do I really believe that I'm good? And when we started talking with other people with mental illnesses, we started finding the same things. Bipolar disorder is hard. Depression is hard. Anxiety disorder is hard. Also, God is so disappointed in me because I can't function the way I used to. And I'm never going to be who I was. And God must not actually love me because how could he let me go through these things. And all of a sudden we were dealing with, here's mental health issues. Here's how to support and how to do all this stuff. And also here's all these faith issues that are coming up because we're in crisis and our faith, the way that we've known it is falling apart. And there's no answers for any of these church issues, these faith issues. Even if there's whole, you know, groups that are dealing with these mental health issues. So my own story really led through this chaos of discovering what it was to be loved and valued. And that really was the, the center of my story. And that really became the center of my quiet cave is how do you help people experience that joy and that love in the midst of that? There's so many different ways that people could feel as if their faith were threatened when they're dealing with some significant mental health challenges. You could feel like you, you touched on, you know, two big ones where God must not love me because I'm not functioning the way that I ought to function, or God must not love me because he's allowed me to be inflicted with such a problematic, you know, mental health issue. I mean, those are two different ways uh, of looking at it. And really, you know, one thing that I tell my kids, I tell students when I'm teaching seminary, is you have to put faith in the, you know, the negative on a balance, a balancing scale. And your faith and the reality of the negative things that you go through, the negative, the horrible realities of the world, 
they also have to balance out. If you emphasize the bad, the negative, more and more and more, and then you diminish God's faithfulness, diminish God's love, your faith is a little out of whack. But also, if you say God is good, God is good, God is good, and you diminish how impactful your mental health issues are, then your faith is also out of whack. And so you have to balance both truths equally, that God loves you, God is here for you, that he's there to support you. But yes, these challenges are significant and they're hard and he allowed you to, to deal with them. And so, you know, those are really hard things to manage. You have to, you can't minimize either one of them. You have to be fully present in both of them. This is exactly how bad it hurts. Mm -hmm. And God is exactly this present in my suffering. And those are not, like, they're not at odds. They're actually in the same room together Mm -hmm. all the time. And that's very hard for people to wrap their heads around because why would God allow this to happen if he was really good and he really loved me? Yeah, we have this expectation. If God really likes me, he's going to make everything work out. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the God we see in the Bible. Right. The God we see in the Bible is, I mean, he's in the fires. He's in the pits. He's in this wilderness. He's in the sea with most, like, he's in a bunch of bad places mm-hmm. with really great people. And that that's who God is. He's in the hard places with us all the time. And that's why it's so important to be reminded of that, reminded of who God is and reminded of who you are. Because when you have a mental illness, especially you, at least for me, I can't trust my thoughts and I definitely can't trust my feelings because with anxiety, anxiety is so physiological. Mm -hmm. So I I feel it before I even think I'm anxious or I might not be anxious at all, but you feel it. Right. And so it's, oh, well, I should feel that God loves me. I'm like, sometimes I don't feel anything at all, Mm -hmm. you know, and I can't trust that. And I can't trust what I think of him because it just screws up everything that I think about myself in the world, right? And I think that's why community is also so important and having those that that small group of people that you can trust and be vulnerable with to remind you of who you are. Even when you don't feel it, you don't think it, and you don't trust how you feel about God even at that time. My eight-year-old Vivian just recently said, Mom, God loves me, so nothing bad is ever going to happen to me. And I'm like, hold oh, up. Oh, <laughs> Where did you hear that, dear? You know, and so we had a nice long discussion about that because I'm going to try to help her, like, not scare my kids, but also, like, help them to be real, you know. And the Bible never says you're not going to go through troubles. You know, you mentioned in the last week about the increase in number of calls and interest that you're getting in My Quiet Cave. And if you just take a look at the news, you see this steady rise of interest in mental health issues. I don't know what year it was, but we just have a mental health awareness month, I think, was in October, is that right? We have a lot of them now. We <laughs> yeah. have like mental health awareness month, and then May is mental health month, and then there's suicide prevention, like there's so many that I, I actually lose track. Yeah, okay, good, I'm not the only one then, because there's just, there's so much emphasis, and so, one of the questions, it may be hard to, to parse out, but do you think that more people are struggling today? Or do you think that more people are feel open to talk about it? Because there's been this discussion about it, and we have more of these awareness months. Well, I think a lot of the awareness has been just people on huge platforms that mm-hmm. are talking about it. So, you know, you've got your celebrities that are talking more about their mental health struggles and whatever you think about celebrities. I mean, it does help 
mm-hmm. right? To start talking about it, having the conversation, which is why I think that storytelling piece and telling your story is so important because it does help connect with other people, help them realize that they're not alone in their struggles and then therefore other people who are struggling come forward. Yeah. So I think that's a big piece of why we're hearing more about it. Yeah, and you, but you can also just look and see the rates yeah. and they're just amazing. Because if you look at the rates of things like depression and anxiety from 10 to 15 years ago, they had actually dropped a little bit. It, thinks, it looked like things were getting better, like we were addressing mental health better. And there's been this steady climb since. So if you look especially at anxiety rates across population ages, you just see this incredible break where you know, 10, 15 years ago, you'd see anxiety rates right around 19%. For, for young people. And now you see them above 30. So that's not just, hey, we're more comfortable talking about it because like, there's actually more anxiety, whether that's technology or disconnection or whatever that is. You can just look at it and go, people are struggling with anxiety much more than they have, especially younger folks. And then if you also look at the age demographics, it's just, it's just amazing. So um, I would say, yes, there is more openness and that's really, really important. I mean, people with severe mental health issues like myself get treatment about half the time. So if they're getting treatment more than half the time because they're actually showing up, that's really good. Let's yay that. (laughs) On the flip side, if you look at the rates of things like anxiety and stuff like that, those rates of not just not severe mental health issues, but the ones that really happen a lot more, Mm -hmm. um, they're just going up like crazy. Yeah. So yes, there is more openness and that's really helpful and we're getting more help. And also the rates are still climbing really, really quickly. I've thought about this issue quite a bit and I'm going to have a guest address technology and mental health in upcoming episodes. But, you know, just the the whole idea of, you know, be, being incarnationally present with others is so important. And now you have more and more people sitting in their rooms disconnected from all the other different, you know, face-to-face community and relationships that they might be able to have. And then additionally, you have access to 24-hour news all over the globe. Yes, that's... And, you know, I know more about what's going on in the UK than I know what's going on in my neighborhood, you know. And that's just the nature of 24-hour media news cycle. And they only tell you the bad and they spare us the good. And so you're getting hit with all of this negativity. And I've often wondered to say, okay, so God has placed us within a given context. He's placed our body within a given context. So what are the, the spiritual, emotional, and mental ramifications whenever we're trying to take in the context of things that are happening all the way around the globe where we can't do anything about it? I mean, there's nothing that we can do about you know, some of the tragedies that are happening in, in Africa. There's just so very little that we can do to make a difference in these far-flung places. And so you hear the news, but then you feel helpless, which impacts your mental health. And it makes you feel like everything is dark. Right. It's actually backwards from how you're designed. You're designed to have agency in your space. Right. That's mm-hmm. like Genesis 1 will make them, they're going to tend this garden. Like they're going to do stuff. It's a and great point. So to say, hey, you're going to hear about a lot of things that you cannot change. That's actually backwards from how you're wired as an individual. God made you to be able to change the world around you on purpose. And then also to be in this place where there's no rest. Like Mm -hmm. God also designed Sabbath and it's really important. 
and instead we're always plugged in, we're always going, we're always, and there's this frantic energy that just surrounds us so much of the time that's not how God designed us at all. I mean, we're actually designed to, to rest and to stop. And you can say whatever you want about the culture around us, all this stuff. The way that we consume and the way that we are in touch with media and so much stuff all the time, it's not how our bodies are designed. And that would be an affirmation that I would put out there to those of you who are listening who may feel overwhelmed is, you know, you're not supposed to be able to manage all of this information that you're hearing on the news or through social media or things like that and still be a healthy, at a healthy mental place all on your own. Um, There are definitely, you know, so if you're feeling that way, you're not alone. And there are definitely some strategies that you can employ to, to help you manage some of the things that you're hearing, you know, in social media and the news. But I would like to ask you both, you know, before we close out here, um, what advice do you have for anyone who might be struggling with issues related to mental health or might have a mental illness? Find a good counselor or a therapist, mm-hmm. somebody that you can talk to Okay, is number one. Yeah. And know that you're not alone. Yeah. That, that's a huge, huge thing. If it's really the last number that I saw was over 50 percent of people will struggle with a mental health issue during their lifetime. Like you're actually in the majority if you're struggling with stuff at some point. So this is that's you're not defective. There's nothing wrong with you. Mm-hmm. And the second comment I would make is God doesn't care for you less because you have issues. All the promises that God's make that God makes, all the value that he gives you as an individual, all of those things are based on his relationship with you and how he made you. They are not based off of your mental health space. And if God really is the omniscient, omnipotent God that we believe him to be, he knows what you're going through right now. And he knew you were going to go through it. And he loves you in the midst of that right now. Yeah. That's great pieces of advice. For the counseling, you know, I totally agree. And, you know, there are some people that that probably find it hard to seek out the help of a counselor. And then once they may try one person and that person didn't work out, so they don't ever go back again. So I don't know what you would say about this, but try different counselors. If you've tried different counselors and they haven't worked for you, don't give up the search for a good one. And that's so hard because I've actually been there after becoming a, a counselor myself. You know, I'll refer other students or whoever that I'm in contact with, like, oh, go, go, you know, find somebody, find somebody that's a good fit. But I've been there. I've called numbers where I haven't had return phone calls. I've been in to see people and it hasn't worked out. And so I know how hard that is. You just want to give up. You're like, okay, you know what? I put myself out there. It didn't work out. I'm done. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to figure it out myself. But it, yeah, I would just say, just don't give up. I have up. done that before. Yeah. So I know. <laughs> don't give up. It's, but it is hard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then for people who, you know, if you're struggling with depression, anxiety, bi- bipolar, it could be very tempting to feel alienated and alone. And you can hear the words, um, you're not alone, and it makes you feel better for a little while. But what could people do to, um, to do something different, to actually find community where they, they see on a daily basis they're not alone? One of the really important things is to plug into people who exist this, you know, exist in the same reality that you do. So mm-hmm. for me, that's other people with like severe mental health issues who also are moving forward and aren't stuck. And 
because you can be in a support group where this is really just we're all in a really bad place. There's no hope of anything good. We're just going to talk about how, how horrible and terrible life is. And that actually is counterproductive. Right. It actually keeps you stuck because you don't believe you can make forward progress. Uh, one of the things that my quiet cave does, and I'm going to throw a little plug out here, is those overcome and cave groups, they're groups that we offer and train churches to lead. And those groups are really forward-moving, really helpful and integrative groups for people with mental health issues and their families. And they're really a beautiful space to say, yeah, this is what I'm struggling with. And you find other people who are struggling with the same things. And you build these incredibly tight bonds where you're all moving forward together towards greater healing. In the same way, like AA, you find a sponsor. It's somebody who's been there before you in mental health. In some ways, you need to find the same thing. You need to find a sponsor, someone who, who's been this road and knows how to walk it. And so finding spaces like my quiet cave groups, if you're outside of, you know, the Denver metro area, there's other groups like Fresh Hope that actually offer online groups that are just amazing. Um, they're, finding that space is so important and finding people who believe in you is so important. Well, thank you so much, Brandon and Kimberly. Thank you. And if people want to find out more about your work, where can they go? Go to our website. It's myquietcave.org. Okay. More information about programs, resources, you can find mine and Brandon's contact information on there as well. Okay. Thank you so much for joining me again today. Thank you so much. Thank you. You've been listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can visit us online anytime at www.christiancurious.org. That's www.christiancurious.org. I love to hear from listeners, so you can email me at drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. Stay curious. Thank you for listening to Christian Curious with Dr. Haley. You can contact her with your comments or questions about today's show at her email, drhaley at christiancurious.org. That's D-R-H-A-L-E-E at christiancurious.org. You may also learn more by visiting the Christian Curious website, christiancurious.org. Join Dr. Haley again next week for Christian Curious on AM 670 KLTT.